0: So we are starting a new series. I will tell you that uh, I, I love this type of series. Uh, if you have been around the church for very long, you know I kind of categorize sermon series. So we typically either have a series that's kind of fo- focused on practical kind of steps and applications. Uh, sometimes we'll do series where we're looking more at like theology uh, and then several times during the year uh, We look at a book of the Bible uh, And so that's what we're going to begin today uh, is to look at the book of 1st John So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up uh, to 1st John It's towards the latter part of the New Testament Uh, If you get to Revelation, you're too far. Uh, Go back a little bit. Uh, But uh, we're going to spend most of our time uh, or all of our time this morning in 1 John chapter 1. The reality is we live in a world where um, it's full of things that aren't true. You know, I mean, you see infomercials all the time about products and for three easy payments, uh, you get not just one, but you get two and they're supposed to revolutionize your life uh, and you get them and and they don't. Uh, Claire and I are currently trying to be healthier. Do you know they have fruit juice that's not made of fruit? Uh, And burgers that don't have meat in them. That doesn't, I don't understand it. Uh, But but there's things that just aren't... People can be celebrities without doing anything. Uh, Lydia told me the other day, uh, and I won't name this person, but she was telling me that somebody, and this is important apparently to teenagers, you can admit this, that, that they were certified on Instagram. Uh, and that means something uh, to, to younger people. They're certified on Instagram. And so this person, she was telling me, was certified on Instagram, and they are only dating somebody who may one day be a professional athlete. Uh, they're doing nothing other than dating this person, but yet they are, they're famous. And so we, we can see this since people have, people have debt, uh, and they live throughout debt in order to be able to keep up appearances. Uh, people have relationships that are... Um, Not healthy, uh, but we try to present ourselves off as having a real relationship. I think social media, I've told you I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Social media uh, can give you the idea that you have a sense of community sometimes when you don't have a sense of community. Uh, And so there's the, the, the danger or the negative side of that. You see people who post a picture and everything looks great and what we all know is it took like, you had to fight like cats and dogs to be able to get that one place where everybody smiles because 99.9% of the time, that's not the reality of, of where we are. And so you see all of this stuff that is coming at us that's not true. Um, and we long for truth. We long for real. We long for authentic. And, and I think you will like First John uh, it, because we long For it in a sense. And so uh, each week we're going to read a chapter. They're not typically too long. We're going to read a chapter uh, and then we're going to kind of try to look and pull out a couple of things from that chapter uh, for us to be able to kind of take home with us. And so, 1 John, let's read 1 John chapter 1. We announce to you what existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have seen and our hands handled about the word of life. The life was revealed and we have seen and we testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. This is the message that we have heard from Him and announced to you. God is light and there is no darkness in Him at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him and live in the darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light the same way as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we claim we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. If we claim we have never sinned, We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Now, 1 John is written by one of Jesus' best friends, and so he's a disciple. But you see a lot of times in Scripture where Jesus kind of pulls in his inner circle, right? And it's Peter, James, and John. That's, that's who we're talking about here. And so John is not just simply any disciple. John is one who has seen some things that other disciples didn't see, right? And so John was with Jesus on the mountain when he was transfigured. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah shows up. John's there. Uh, John is is there when uh, Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. John is there in the garden of Gethsemane. It's John's mother, James and John's mother, actually, but it's John's mother who asked Jesus to let her son sit at the right hand and the left hand of, of Jesus in his, in his coming kingdom. Over and over again, you see John who's kind of lifted up in a sense. It's John who calls, asked Jesus if he should call down fire from heaven, when the Samaritan village doesn't hear the, the, the message of the disciples. So as you read and see this book, First John, understand that this is someone who, who saw a lot with Jesus. Maybe more so than other people. John was probably the youngest of the disciples. Uh, he was the pastor at the church in Ephesus. And then if you know his story, later he was exiled into the island of Patmos where he received the vision that became the book of Revelation to us. And then he is sent back to Ephesus where he dies. And it's that last time that he goes back to Ephesus that he writes this letter, First John. So we kind of get a time frame of, of where we are. Now, he wrote this letter for two particular purposes. One was to expose uh, false teaching So he wanted to be able to refute what false teachers were saying at the time. And the other one was to give believers an assurance of salvation. So he had a dual purpose as he does this. And as he's in the midst of these two purposes, he speaks to what I think, and I think that John would argue, is the foundation principle of Christianity. And that's the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's all throughout this letter. And so he does this in a way to help us understand how to be the church, how to be a community. Now, 1 John doesn't have, you noticed at the beginning, 1 John doesn't have kind of a general address as to or a specific address of who he's talking to. So 1 John's not written as a particular letter to one particular church. 1 John is written as kind of a general letter. And so it's applicable to lots of churches in this region. And what we see at this time is, I know this is hard for you to believe, but the church wasn't getting along. Uh, I know that's crazy to think, but, but what you see, and you can even see later in First John where there, there was actually probably a split of the church because people, some people were uproar. But, but what I want you to understand is this letter comes to us kind of, it's born out of controversy. It's born out of a, out of a spirit of disunity that John uh, is speaking to. So at the time in this, that it's written here, false teachers were beginning to arise from within the church. So people were beginning to come up. Everybody kind of has their, their own tendencies and sometimes their own philosophies. And so what you see is uh, false teachers beginning to surface that try to look and go, okay, uh, I think that we need to do this. And so, one in particular thing that we're talking here is that John is writing to is against what's called Gnosticism. And so, I'll put this up here just so you can kind of get a feel for what Gnosticism is. But it's from the Greek word gnosis, which means or meant knowledge. And so, Gnosticism advanced an idea. What I want you to think about is kind of like a dualist idea that things that have matter are inherently evil. And that spirit is good. So matter is evil and spirit is good. And so there's this dualistic thought within Gnosticism of this. And so what they were trying to do was to stop and say, we were trying to deny Jesus's humanity to protect him from evil. That makes sense? And so they because they saw matter as being evil and spirit good, they were trying to deny his humanity so that there wouldn't be the presence of evil. Now, what we see in here is that the Gnostic argument kind of takes two different forms. So the first form is to say that Jesus's physical body was not real. So their argument was that it was. It wasn't a real physical manifestation. And so what you see John doing in the letter as you read it, and I'm going to be encouraging you to go and read this this, this week or the first chapter. What you're going to see John do is John speaks to his personal experience with Jesus. I saw him. I, I, I was with him. And so he gets, he, he's wanting the reader to be able to understand that Jesus was a real person. And it's trying to counter that argument of Gnosticism. The second form that it takes is that Christ's spirit descended at Jesus's baptism on a human form, but left him right before the crucifixion. And that's the second argument within Gnosticism. So what John does, as you're gonna be reading over this next month, is John is very important and very emphatic to say that the person who was baptized is the person who was crucified. It's the same person. And so he's speaking against a particular argument within Gnosticism. Now, these teachings, they're very important for us to understand what John's trying to speak against because it makes a difference when you come to the the atonement or to the death and resurrection of Jesus in the sense that... um, for Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice, Jesus has to be fully human and fully God. And so John is speaking to that as well. And so what they did for the people of, the, of Gnostics at that time is they would argue because of this dualism separation between matter and spirit, they would say that the effects of what you do on your body have no effect on your spirit. So think about that. What would that lead to? Well, what that led to for them was sin within the physical body doesn't matter. Doesn't affect your spirit. So, um, immorality was permissible because it didn't affect your spirit. You didn't have to uh, be obedient in this world because it didn't affect your spirit. So you can kind of see where they went within the Gnostic. And so John is trying to speak to this. In fact, you'll see that John speaks very much about how you have to be obedient to the commandments of God. Because he's speaking against a particular belief. So we're going to come to the first chapter again. We're going to go back and we're going to read just the first four verses. Uh, and let, let's listen to what this says. And I am reading it from a different translation than we read earlier, just because it, to me it, it speaks really good about um, our word this morning. So let's start again in verse 1. It says, what was, what was from the beginning what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life? That life was revealed, and we have seen it, and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So, what we get in here is he he introduces the subject of what was from the beginning, and then he completes verse word verse one with word of life. And so, John is referring to Jesus. In this passage, in order to kind of refute these teachings of Gnosticism, he starts off with this discussion about the reality of Jesus. And what I want you to hear in that is did you hear the words that he used? Because he he was specific, trying to touch into the senses of motions. What I've seen, what I've heard, what I've observed, what I've touched with my own hands. He's speaking. To them, and I think he's speaking to us to look and go, He was real. He, it, was, it was not a partial of anything, it was not an, an image of anything. Jesus was 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 human. So he's dispelling this notion, but it's challenging us to, to understand this is an important part of who we believe Jesus to be. Jesus was fully human and fully God. And so he gets to that when he says word of life, right? If you know much about, the, about John, if you go and read the first part of, God, of John's gospel, listen to the first three verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. I mean, why did John call Jesus the word? I mean, Jesus reveals to us the very heart and mind of God. He's the living means of communicating to us, God. He's God's word to us. So John's very intentional about trying to identify Jesus. And the reality is, if we're wrong about Jesus, we're wrong about God. And so us understanding the identity of who Jesus is is extremely important for us because it messes with our theology if we come to a different understanding. And there are plenty of people who say, Jesus was just a good man. Just, he's just a prophet. Um, he's just a really good teacher. Listen to what John says in, John, in 1 John 5. He says, we know that God's son has come and has given us understanding to know the one who is true. We are in the one who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Understanding Jesus's identity is so important for us as we move forward in our relationship with God. Do you notice that both in 1 John and then if you know much in in the Gospel of John? Jesus is eternal life with the Father. There's no other way to understand this than to put God and Jesus on the same plane. So in 1 John, we see, I mean, in the Gospel of John, we see that all things are created through Christ. Nothing is created without Christ. In Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth, right? So who created? God or Jesus? The answer is yes. Uh, it, the the, the re, God created, Jesus created. So we're, we are to understand that Jesus is real, fully human, but also fully God. And in verse 3, John begins to explain what he's, why he's declaring to us Jesus' identity, why it's so important. Look at what it says in verse 3. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Why is he writing this letter? So that people can have a personal relationship with Jesus, but also so that we can have healthy, unified relationships with each other. Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about our horizontal relationships affect our vertical relationship? And our vertical relationship affects our horizontal relationships. We see that in John's theology. He wants these churches to know that they are to enter into personal relationships with God, but they're also to enter into unified relationships with each other. And the truth is, we don't have the ability to stand before God in our own morality. We would stand before God guilty, right? But because of his great love for us, God made a way for us to be reunited with God. And that's through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I love this in Romans. It says He was hand, he's handed over because of our mistakes and he was raised to meet the requirements of righteousness for us. Ephesians 2 says it this way. However, God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace. And then in verse eight, it goes on to say, you are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. Jesus wants his. John, I mean, John wants his listeners to experience Jesus the way that he did, so that they could, and so I would say for us to be able to to obtain the full knowledge of who Jesus is, what his identity is, and it's in the reality that Jesus was incarnated, both God and man. But it's also important in John's mind, at least, and I believe. It would be true for God's desire that the church realize that right thinking also is balanced with right living. Right? They go hand in hand. Love of God and love of neighbor. You cannot separate those two things. And so John's writing to a group of people at the time that were completely disunified. And there was controversy that was going on. And it's not hard for us to imagine that in the midst of just people, that there weren't people that were going, okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's do this. God, God's not going to care. Uh, it, 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 and, and we begin to make our ideas over God's ideas versus God's ideas over man's idea. So it's not hard for us to imagine that. But let me tell you something. The doctrine of incarnation cannot be set aside. It is foundational to us as followers of Jesus Christ. It's foundational to us as who his identity is. Jesus as Messiah is the core of Christianity. And we have to understand that. And it's not just simply a theological idea. I don't want you to think that today's message is all just theology. There's practical ramifications for the church. It's because John tells them that understanding God as, I mean, understanding Jesus as both God and man leads us into fellowship with him and fellowship with each other. And then in verse four says this. Writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In other words, so that we might experience life that is true, so that we might experience life that is real, so that we might be able to experience the life that we were meant to live. Romans 11 says this All things are from him, and through him, and for him. May the glory be to him forever amen we were made by God we were created every single one of us were created by God for the truth of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and according to John a committed relationship with his body which is the church A personal relationship with God and a committed relationship with his body, which is the church. Otherwise, life will not make sense. I said to you earlier about how the world thinks that we're crazy if we were to give. Life doesn't make sense if you're not connected in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and committed relationship to the church. It's the way that Christ created us. I invite you this morning, as we read 1 John over the next month, trust his teaching because he will lead you to greater truth in a world that is full of things that are not true. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you for truth. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that in your love for us, that you loved us before we ever loved you back and that you made a way for us. I pray, God, for every single person here I pray, Lord, that we don't see you just as a teacher or a good man or a prophet. I pray we all are able to come to that place where we see you as Messiah. Help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to trust in your truth. Help us to commit to a personal relationship with you and to a relationship with your body. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.